Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into the Lineup Logic Podcast, NFL edition, Monday, or excuse me, well, Tuesday, Labor Day weekend. Uh, for, feels like a Monday, but first day back after the Labor Day weekend, bringing you guys the first of the Lineup Logic DFS classroom episodes where we are taking. Um, research principles, objectives in our research, and we're trying to identify um, objectives and ideas that are going to help us become better players. Uh, you can continuously hear that, hear that feedback from from guys, uh, you know, the learning from the show. So I want to make sure that you guys continue to be able to learn from the program. So uh, once a week, we are going to be diving into something football-related uh, that will help you become a better DFS player. Um, and hey, that's not the only show this week. Obviously, we got more coming up. Um, the next show coming up is going to be a massive slate overview where we talk Vegas. We do game by game. We do a quick game by game sweep of the NFL. We talk about the odds. We talk about spreads. We talk about home favorites, all that kind of thing. Uh, give you the information you need to know about uh, the, the, the slate at a 50,000-foot view level. Then, of course, the um, player breakdown show uh, and then last but not least, patrons only, the lineup show where we go through and we talk through lineup construction, ownership percentages, uh, projected ideas about what we feel like is going to be chalk, how people are going to be building with things that fit together, DK, FD, all of those things. Um, one thing I want to remind you guys on before you, um, before we go too far, follow us on Twitter here. Hey, Mr. Kane. At Hey Mr. Kane, H E Y M R K A N E, at Lineup Logic DFS. And remember, if you're interested in the cheat sheet subscription, jump in there, patreon.com slash lineup logic. Um, all of your money, 100% of your money, is going to Hurricane Harvey Relief. I mentioned this last week, but all of the September subscriptions are are going to Hurricane Harvey Relief. So your $10 cheat sheet subscription gets you a full month of NFL cheat sheets. It gets you the lineup logic, lineup show on Fridays. You're going to get um, and a $10 donation to uh, Houston area, Greater Houston Area Food Banks. Um, hey, listen, man. This this stuff is down in Houston is, is, is for real. <laughs> My wife's uncle just lost his home. 
Um, it's no joke. It's no joke. And he thought for sure his neighborhood was going to be fine. Neighbors two, 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 uh, two blocks away, totally fine. His house, 30 years underwater. Uh, he'll be fine. Don't worry about him. He's going to be okay. Um, but the reality is, is this is this is crushing the city of Houston, and so this is the least that we can do. So if you're interested at all, Patreon.com/slash Lineup Logic, get in there, get the cheat sheets. But hey, as I mentioned, we have a um, we have a a classroom pod. A little bit of an objective here to set. Trying to learn ourselves, trying to learn a little bit more about DFS and NFL DFS projecting building bigger lineups. So let's go ahead and uh, jump into the lesson that we're going to work through today. We don't need no education. So a couple things I want you guys to be aware of. These, I'm going to try to keep these episodes pretty quick. Um, but the second thing is, is I want you to know I'm going to also be citing different reading resources and websites and things of that nature that I want you to read. I've said this before. I try to absorb as much information as I can give out. I'm not creating all of this research, so I don't want to take any credit for it. I'm going to cite the work. Uh, today, uh, I'm going to be citing the work of, of footballoutsiders.com, of uh, sharpfootballstats.com, um, 444.com. Uh, Warren Sharp over at Sharp Football Stats, wonderful resource. Chris Raybon, TJ Hernandez, all the guys over at 444 do amazing work in the DFS world. Um, and... Um, the work at Football Outsiders is some of the best in the business. Um, so no joke about it. Those three websites, just right off the bat, I want to give you guys those resources right off the bat. Um, just so you know where I'm getting some of this information, I'll, I'll make sure to be specifically citing it as we go along. Um, but today I want to define, you know, I think one of the things that we have to do in DFS is just basically understand how we actually statistically project um, – an offense or statistically projected team success on a week-to-week basis. I think people sometimes take this for granted. I'm not going to lie. I think that we take this for granted in football because growing up being football fans, we take for granted that we know who the good teams, who the good teams are, who the bad teams are. We rely on information that's not statistically driven to make DFS decisions when we shouldn't be relying on information that's not statistically driven because we feel like we have a base understanding of football. Like, oh, I know this team is such and such a team is better than that team. Well, why? How? Do you have an understanding of their pass offenses efficiency? Do you understand why it is that you project this quarterback to be able to destroy their secondary? Do you know why it is that you feel like their running offense should be able to to be successful this week? Or is it just that you're relying on your base knowledge of being a football fan for your entire life? There's two things that lie in that. One is is you're fooling yourself. (laughs) Sharks out there, people who play this stuff professionally are relying on statistically driven information to identify and define who the most efficient offenses and defenses are. Vegas is using that money or using that that information to define. Okay, relying on that is what we are trying to exploit. People who are out there playing, even though they shouldn't be relying on that information. So we want to be the opposite of those guys who are relying on their, oh, I get it. I know how to play fantasy football. I can build a lineup that will be successful. No, 
Let's be statistically driven. Let's be process oriented. And let's make sure that we understand how we can project an offense and its offensive success and understand precisely what pieces within that offense are going to be successful on a weekly basis. Okay, so here's a quick question I want you to ponder before we get into this idea. Can a fantasy player be successful if his offense fails? Think about that. The answer is yes and no. But I think if you project a range of outcomes, the range of outcomes, more importantly, is a range of outcomes that identifies, or excuse me, that is that is more bent on the side of failure and without a ceiling, without a clear floor, if that offense as a whole is failing. Whereas a floor and a ceiling are much easier to project if an offense is, is being successful. There are fantasy assets that produce in a failing offense. We know that. Kenny Britt was one of the best receivers last year in PPR leagues. We understand that. Isaiah Crowell right now is being projected as one of the better running backs off the board in redraft leagues. I understand these things, guys. This is true. And more often, but more often than not, the best fantasy assets are part of high-powered offenses. And we have to understand how to project high-quality offensive opportunity before we can project high-quality offensive individual performances. At a team level, we are always looking for a team that's going to be capable and successful. When it comes to NBA DFS or MLB DFS, we want an offense that's capable of taking advantage of a defense. And this obviously, this seems that seems like a very simple, straightforward thing. But I think that a lot of times as football DFS players, NFL DFS players, we don't rely on statistically driven information to determine where it is that we're actually going to find out how and why that offense is in a good, exploitable position over that defense. So first thing I want to talk about, here's a question. Can you answer this? How do you measure offensive efficiency? Do you know? How do you remember, measure defensive efficiency? Do you have a metric? Who's running the most plays inside the 10-yard line in 2016? Who run the most pass plays? Who ran the most rushing plays? Here's a more interesting question. Who had the highest run-to-pass ratio versus pass-to-run ratio inside the red zone in 2016? Here's my point in asking those questions. It's not that I'm not going to provide you guys with that information or not that I don't think that it's second nature. Okay. Who ran the most plays inside the 10 yard line last night, last year It was New England and Atlanta stands to reason makes a lot of good sense. Okay. Most pass plays inside the 10 yard line last year, Green Bay indicator of offensive efficiency an indicator of how good their passing game is on a year to year basis. Who ran the most running plays inside the red red zone last year? New England, interestingly enough. Even with one of the best quarterbacks in the league, they still were running the ball inside the 10-yard line. Followed by Buffalo. Why was Shady McCoy one of the best running running backs in fantasy last year? Because of that opportunity that Buffalo provided with him. Because they also had the highest run-to-pass ratio inside the red zone. This is the kind of information that I think sometimes we overlook. And when we have these statistically driven pieces of information, we can make more high quality decisions. 
Obviously, we begin to understand by the time October, November rolls around, oh, well, so-and-so has been getting 30 touches a game. He's been seeing 24 carries and six targets. Well, that's great. Fine. But we're not there yet. So we have to be able to project the offenses in a way that actually indicates success and then sets them up for success. So um, a couple of things that I want to talk about. I just mentioned red zone opportunity. One of my favorite places to guys for, for you to look at red zone opportunity and pass to run ratios and play calling ratios, sharpfootballstats.com. Warren Sharp's website, sharpfootballstats.com. Unbelievable. You go over to the offensive tab there under the offense tab play calling frequency and efficiency and success, give you all the information you need to know. Wonderful resource. Have to recommend that. Um, you know, I think the, the more important thing is, is we're talking about red zone metrics. and med- Red zone metrics specifically in DFS are something that get thrown around a lot. Red zone opportunity. How many red zone touches is he going to get? How many touches inside the five-yard line are your running back going to get? How many red zone targets is your wide receiver going to get? Well, it's all for naught if we don't have a functional place in the offense, if we don't have a functional office to get us into the red zone. Okay, listen, we weren't rostering Blake Bortles and Allen Robinson at all costs last year, even though Jacksonville had one of the highest pass-to-run ratios inside the red zone in 2016. Very strange, right? So, but they also had one of the most inefficient and ineffective offenses. And of course, that was measured via DVOA. DVA, DVOA, a proprietary metric used by football outsiders of footballoutsiders.com. I would say the best comparison that I think you guys and my listener base would probably recognize is WRC. In baseball, we're talking about WRC, weighted runs created plus. It's a weighted metric that adjusts for. Um, strength of schedule, ballpark, things of that nature. And DVOA is a weighted football metric that measures offensive or defensive uh, efficiency. Um, and, you know, it counts, it, it, but it accounts for things like opponent and situation. Um, so situational effectiveness via DVOA. So in, in their words, via football outsiders, here what here's what their short definition is. DVOA measures a team's efficiency by comparing success on every single play to a league averaged based on situation and opponent. Right? Makes sense. Okay, so that's how we measure efficiency. And it would stand to reason that rostering the most effective and efficient offenses uh, would actually make you a productive DFS player. But the hard thing about this is I think that one of the things we don't always recognize is who are the most efficient and the most effective offenses according to DVOA, who are the most inefficient or ineffective offense or defenses according to DVOA. If we use those baselines as a measuring stick for offensive and defensive units, then we can understand how and why we're attacking certain players within a given week and how and why we're projecting certain offenses to be successful. Again, getting away from the heuristic of understanding, I've been watching football my whole life. I know Tom Brady's good. I like the Patriots this week and moving towards the statistically driven information, informationally driven stuff that we rely on and we require ourselves to use in NBA DFS and MLB DFS because there's such an overwhelming amount of information on a daily basis. Okay, so um, last year, I bet you could guess one of the most efficient teams in the NFL via DVOA. It was the Falcons. A prolific year, one of the most prolific years in that franchise's history. Matt Ryan, one of the best quarterbacks of the year. Uh, the Pats were a very close second, but the Pats actually beat them in a couple of different DVOA metrics. But what's interesting is, is 
um, DVOA actually splits out and breaks breaks out the pass and the rush. So we can look specifically at a passing offense's DVOA or a rushing offense's DVOA. So here's a question. Why do you think that Zeke and Shady were two top fantasy assets last year? Because the Bills and the the Bills and the Cowboys were one and two in rush DVOA in 2016. Right? Stands to reason that that correlation would make sense, right? We have to make sure that we're continuously identifying this information and knowing it like the back of our hand when we when we're we're, we're looking towards trying to project the offensive success of a team. Um, and like I said, if we want to identify a high quality DFS asset like a Zeke or a Shady McCoy, we have to understand the fundamentals of identifying an effective offense. And DVOA is one high quality way that we are going to be doing that. Within DVOA, however, we have to understand then what those play calling tendencies are. Because if you have an offense like the Buffalo Bills, who not only are one of the most efficient rush offenses in the NFL, but they also have one of the highest run to pass ratios in the red zone, then you have a fantasy asset that you really, really, really want to target. However, if you know that, for example, the Packers measure very well in DVOA, but we know that their pass to run ratio inside the red zone is much higher pass. They were they were almost 65% in pass to run ratio. Um, then we want to be targeting their pass catchers inside the red zone. And that's why Jordy Nelson was the league leader in wide receiver or excuse me in, in receiving touchdowns last year in 2016. It all makes sense, but we have to have the statistics to back it up. So a couple quick things here. Play calling tendencies. Um, and 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 trends from 2016 passing DVOA top five. You ready for this? Quick hits. See if you can actually. This is interesting. There's a couple that are kind of might might surprise you, and this is the kind of stuff that you need to know. Atlanta, New England. You ready for this? Dallas. Why is that? Because they're capable of establishing the run. Because they have a high quality offensive line. Because Dak Prescott is actually in, intensely good and very efficient. There's a lot of good reasons for it. Oakland, Washington. Wow. Should we be targeting those pass catchers early in the year? Perhaps. Yes, perhaps we should be. Okay. Um, And not to mention pass offense, the high quality, excuse me, the quality of a passing offense has the highest correlation to win rate. Ed King mentioned that on the Fantasy Labs, um, on Fantasy Labs podcast, um, Daily Fantasy Flex um, about team win rate, or excuse me, team win totals. He came on there from a power rank. I believe his website is powerrank.com. Um, and he mentioned how, um, one of the only correlations to win totals year to year is actually the quality of a pass offense. So Atlanta, New England, Dallas, Oakland, Washington, those are teams that we should be able to project for high quality pass offenses in a decent season. And I think that would stand to exactly what we've seen as far as preseason projections. Top five in rush DVOA, 2016. Buffalo, Dallas, already mentioned them. Here's here's a couple that'll surprise you. New Orleans, Washington, and Green Bay. Perhaps Green Bay has the opposite effect that New Dallas has, right? High quality quarterback play. That'll go therefore Ty Montgomery and other guys who are facing um, a very very depleted box. You're not gonna you're not gonna load the box against uh, against Aaron Rodgers because he's gonna recognize that coverage and immediately check out of it and find a hot route. 
right? That one of the lowest loaded box fronts, or excuse me, loaded box rates was against Ty Montgomery because of fearing Aaron Rodgers. So these kinds of things, this efficiency, New Orleans had one of the best offensive lines as far as rush uh, rush blocking goes last year. So these kinds of things, um, understanding how positive quarterbacks affect a rushing game, we understand them. And so far as, as football fans, we can recognize them and say, that makes good sense. I get it. I get why Aaron Rodgers would have a good rushing game behind him. He's a threat. So you have to make sure that you're careful about the rush game. Um, or excuse me, so you have to make sure you protect against the pass game, but you allow the rush. It all makes sense. We get it. We've been watching football our whole lives. But where are the statistics that back it up? Top five in pass-to-run ratio. Baltimore? Really? Yes, but here's the thing, Baltimore, guys, Baltimore may surprise you, and here's why this will switch this year. Greg Roman, offensive coordinator from Buffalo, brought in to be an offensive assistant to the head coach. They didn't like how much they were running the football, or excuse me, throwing the football last year. They weren't successful in the way that they, so they moved on from that system. You're going to see a pivot for Baltimore this year. They're not going to be number one in pass-to-run ratio. Two, Green Bay, makes sense. Detroit, Cleveland, and New Orleans. Now, I bet that one of those names surprised you. Cleveland. Why would Cleveland be one of the top five teams in pass-to-run ratio? Well, probably because of negative game script. Hugh Jackson trying to win games in his first year there in Cleveland. Negative game script is going to force you to throw the ball, and your most talented, excuse me, your most talented athletic asset it was Terrell Pryor in that offense. You're going to try as best as you can to get the ball in the hands of your playmaker. So they were throwing the ball quite a bit in Cleveland. The reverse, rush-to-pass ratio. Dallas, Buffalo, we mentioned that. Tennessee, San Francisco, and Miami. Now two new coaches in those two in those systems, Buffalo and San Francisco. Those systems are going to change, so we have to keep our eyes on that. But we should expect the same from Dallas, Tennessee, and possibly Miami as well. Adam Gase, even with... Even with Jay Cutler there, you're going to have to think that he's going to rely on the run a little bit to mitigate Jay Cutler's tendencies towards mistakes. But at the same time, he's going to have a different quarterback at his disposal versus Ryan Tannehill, who was a very, very safe, manage-the-game type quarterback. Um, so we're going to be we're going to be interested in monitoring these kinds of things. But these are the kinds of fundamental statistics we have to familiarize ourselves with to understand where these assets that we want to we want to invest in. Now, I know you can go out and you can find this information on my on your own. Why am I telling you this? Sean, you're you're supposed to be an analyst. You're supposed to be telling us ideas about who we should who we should and shouldn't be playing. The reason I'm telling you this is because I think fundamentally a lot of DFS players don't do this level of research. Base level of research to understand play calling tendencies of offense and efficiency of offenses and efficiency of play callers. If you don't understand these kinds of things, then you're not going to understand a base rate for why and how you should be projecting a player, why and how you fundamentally like a player on a week-to-week basis without someone else telling you, I really like so-and-so this week. You can listen to any single tout. And any tout will give you a name. My point, of course, in all of this and throughout this entire process is to help you guys research and become better players. The fundamental beginning is how do you project a team's success? And we're going to start 
our team's success via DVOA. Then we're going to try to understand what individual assets are going to be valuable within that within that unit. Okay, trying to understand which which assets that team is going to rely on, whether it be their pass catchers or their running backs. And then we can project who we like and why we like them and how they sh- how and why they should be successful within there. Um, here's a, some more, even more detailed information about play, play calling tendencies. And I think that one of the things that we don't always realize is that there are year-to-year systematic trends that play callers and signal callers have. And I retweeted this a couple weeks ago from Scott Barrett, um, who's just an unbelievable follow on on, um, on Twitter, Scott Barrett DFB. Follow him on Twitter. He has been tweeting out just a bunch of really interesting pieces in, of information. And he had a chart where he broke down points per game uh, via play caller. So based on the head coach or the offensive coordinator in that system, um, how many points per game the quarterback, RB1, RB2, um, wide receiver 1, 2, 3, and tight end had acquired under that play caller. Here's, an, here, here's some that are interesting but but not surprising. A quarterback one, most points were going to Sean McCarthy and Sean, or, uh, or excuse me, McCarthy and Peyton, Packers and Saints. RB1, Andy Reid and Tara Rubisky, that was Chiefs and Titans. Wide receiver one, McAdoo and Haley, that's Giants and Steelers. That makes sense. Elite Hall of Fame level talent tilts the scales. Why are you, Why wouldn't you give Antonio Brown and OBJ the ball all the time? Tight end, McVay and Shula, the Rams and the Panthers. That is interesting. Uh, I think we could see some interesting, you know, some interesting information there uh, come up with the Rams if that trend continues. I have no idea how to project that situation. But how much is, um, you know, how much is this talent? How much of this is system? How much of this is comfort level? It doesn't matter. It's chicken and the egg. What we are looking for is proven historical production, okay? Positive indicators of production at certain positions via play calling tendencies. Andy Reid has produced, the reason that Kareem Hunt, by the way, right now is getting touted so hard is because this this information about Andy Reid, the running back one in Andy Reid's offense, has historically over the last five years, and he's at the Chiefs, produced 20 fantasy points a game. It's not just that Kareem Hunt seems to be very talented and he's a good pass catcher and the Chiefs' offense is relatively efficient. It's because Andy Reid's running backs produce a shit ton of fantasy points. If we don't understand that trend or we don't try to find those other outlier positions then we're not going to set ourselves up for success in DFS on a weekly basis. Um, you know, I saw an interesting, uh, or I was listening to a podcast by by Matt Kelly of Roto Underworld, really interesting. His website, playerprofiler.com, really, really useful tool, unbelievably useful tool for projecting um, for the, the physical attributes of players. Um, he continuously harped on in this preseason podcast, we can't project what we haven't seen. We can't project vapor stats. We can't make up the idea that some guy is going to simply do more than he's ever done before simply because we think it's possible. Obviously, you have to do it with rookies. You're forced into that situation with rookies, but you can't do it with a player who's never done it before. For example, Kevin White. You can't project Kevin White to have, uh, you know, 
eight touchdowns and a thousand receiving yards this year because you've never seen it before. You have to have a much more moderate projection. You can't project, um, you know, you can't project Alex Smith to go for Tom Brady numbers because you've never seen it before. It's not possible. So even if you have a hunch that something is there, you can't necessarily project what you haven't seen. And that's why the reverse is also true. We can try to project what we already know and we have seen a la Kareem Hunt. We can project that the Chiefs running back number one is going to be good. We can project that the Packers via Mike McCarthy are going to have a heavy pass-to-run ratio. We can project that Atlanta with Matt Ryan at the helm is going to have a high-quality, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, a high-quality pass DVOA on a regular basis, and that the Dallas Cowboys with their offensive line are going to have a not only a high run to pass ratio but a high quality run rush dvoa on a regular basis we have seen these things before therefore we can project them now that is all 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 very useful and that's all a fundamental understanding i think that we don't need to overlook as fantasy players like that is step one that is the entry level right you you need a reason for why hey i like the cardinals this week why why? This is all baked into a couple things. One, it's baked into Vegas and it's baked into strength of schedule. Okay. If you're projecting strength of schedule in this industry or you're projecting or you're projecting game totals and things, win totals, things of that nature, it's baked into those two things. So when we look at Vegas and we look at strength of schedule, which by the way, that's tomorrow's entire show. We're going to talk about it. Don't worry. I'm going to give you guys that information game by game by game. Um, I'm going to give you that information. That that is going to that is going to be apparent. Okay, but I think that if you want to fundamentally understand where touts are coming from and why and how people come up with this information, this is this is a fundamental piece. Understanding DVOA, understanding. Um, play calling tendencies for for different offenses, market share, things of that nature. Now, the last piece that I want to uh, that I want to reference here is we can measure DVOA on the defensive side, and this is how we can project strength of schedule. Okay, we can look at defensive DVOA, measure the efficiency of a defensive unit. We have to know outliers though in each direction, which is I think how it is that you understand. You can project a a week-to-week in the NFL with the top five and bottom five in DVOA via pass offense, or excuse me, via just defensive DVOA and matchups, right? If you have one of the best, or excuse me, if you're going up against one of the least efficient defenses in the NFL, you have to like that chances for that strength of schedule opportunity. Regardless of the quality of the offense, you have to like that offense's opportunity um, to take advantage of that unit. And the reverse can be true too, right? Anytime you see somebody playing the Broncos, well, good luck. You're going to be at the bottom of the strength of schedule because that pass unit defense is so, so damn efficient that they're really stopping those offense. They're stopping every single offense dead in their tracks. So the best um, the best uh, defenses in 2016, you're probably not surprised with some of these names. Denver, the Giants, 
the Cardinals, Philadelphia, that name surprised me, and Seattle. I knew Philadelphia had had a quality unit that came on to the end of the year. I didn't know that they measured that well in efficiency. The worst defensive units as far as 2016 go, Detroit, Cleveland, New Orleans, Indianapolis, and San Francisco. I don't think we can expect these these things to change very much. We've had certain personnel pieces move. We've had certain things change. Can some of these 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 teams move four or five places in a ranking in a year? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I've seen some people project that New Orleans defense should be slightly better this year because one, they're healthy, and two, they have a new system in place and they've recruited, or excuse me, they've brought up a lot of their young talent. So it stands it stands to reason that these teams can move and shift a little bit, but to see a team go from a bottom five to a top five unit is inconceivable. It's inconceivable. So this is going to be a starting place for us as far as strength of schedule goes. As far as specifically versus the pass and the rush, I'll just give you guys that information because, hey, you're listening quickly. Pass defense is the best five. Denver, Philadelphia, Arizona, New York, and Houston. Now, a lot of free agent moves within those two teams, or two of those teams. Specifically, um, Arizona and Houston had some free agents, so I think you're going to see them shift. But Denver, Philadelphia, New York, those units are staying pretty cohesive. I think those are going to continue to be top five units against the pass, no doubt about it. Worst units in the NFL, Detroit, dead last. Detroit was brutal against the pass and actually quite good against the rush. Um, but they were absolutely terrible against the pass, and they're true of the uh, the Jets as well. So Detroit, the Jets, New Orleans, Cleveland, and San Francisco. And of course, if we understand that pass offense is one of the best indicators of um, how to win in the NFL, then not being able to defend the pass would be one of the best indicators of how to lose in the NFL. <laughs> right. Um, you know, it certainly seems that way, right? You can't necessarily say that you're going to win games. Even the Saints proved that with one of the best pass offenses, with one of the worst pass defenses. You can't do both, right? Um, as far as rushing defenses in 2016, the best, the Jets. So you see this off, this dichotomy there with the Jets, a terrible secondary, an excellent uh, eight in the box there. Um, the Jets, the Giants, Seattle, Baltimore, and New England. Indicator of why New England was successful: capable of controlling the line of capable of controlling the line of scrimmage in a way that a lot of teams weren't. One of the best rushing offenses in the league. One of the best rushing defenses in the league. Think about that. That's an indicator of offensive and defensive team success, right? The worst rushing defense is Indianapolis, San Francisco. God, you've heard San Francisco's name a lot. Buffalo, Atlanta, Chicago. Really kind of a stunner that Atlanta makes it that far with one of the worst rushing defenses in the league. But remember, they had so many games where we were targeting them because we thought it was going to be a shootout because their defense couldn't stay off the field. They just kept giving up touchdowns. Remember, it was always towards the end of the season that this game could be a shootout. This game in Atlanta's got a high total. This game in Atlanta's a very tight spread. It's a lot tighter than one would expect because Atlanta's defense was not very efficient. They were not very efficient. We didn't know. And listen, 
I know you guys know this stuff. I know that you know based on last year's statistics. But my point is, is I think that what we need to make sure we understand is we correlate our understanding of the game with actually statistically driven pieces of information. Now, these teams aren't going to make massive jumps. I said that already. We can see on we're not going to see unprecedented levels of success from the worst units or outlier levels of you know negative of regression from the best units. I think we're always going to see up and down weeks, but we have to understand that personnel stays personnel until they get hurt. Okay? And we have to make sure that we 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 maintain a reasonable understanding through the first month that these units that were bad are going to probably continue to be bad and these units that were good are probably going to continue to be good until we get into October. And then we have a full month set of data that indicates what and how, or excuse me, what and how we should be thinking about um, the certain units and the way that they play, okay? The last things, excuse me, the last thing I want to do in summary projecting team success. That was what we started with. Of course, the question that I, the, the, the objective that I identified for you guys at the top of the show was we want to be able to understand how do we project an offense and offensive success from week to week via statistical measures, not via heuristics, gut instinct, anything else like that. Okay. The first is obviously Vegas. We can rely on Vegas to tell us a million and one things because those guys are always going to be smarter than us. And they're already using this information, no doubt about it. Second, we're going to measure passing and rushing efficiency via DVOA. We're going to measure our offenses via DVOA. It's one of the best, most reliable metrics via football outsiders. Then once you've determined how efficient or effective an offense is, and that their Vegas situation is favorable, you can look at their um, you can look at their opportunity based on play calling history, based on value. Excuse me, based on volume that they seem to be acquiring via their system, via their signal caller, and how valuable they are to their unit. That's where we're going. That's how we're going to start our process with um, DFS selections. Guys, tomorrow, jumping straight into the Vegas show, we're going to go through all the lines, all the spreads. We're going to go through all the games, 1 through 15, excuse me, 1 through 16, Thursday to Monday night, 50,000-foot view, player, excuse me, game-by-game breakdown, talking about everything, make sure we don't miss anything, and then followed by the lineup show. Of course, if you want to get in there and you want to subscribe to the cheat sheet, which will be coming out um, later this week, lineuploggicdfs.com, patreon.com slash lineuploggic. All of your $10, every single cent, goes to Hurricane Harvey Relief if you pledge. I don't care if you use the cheat sheet or not, but if you just want to give 10 bucks to be a good dude to Hurricane Harvey Relief, go for it. It's not a bad idea, right? How about it? All right, think about it. Think about it. LineuploggicDFS.com, Patreon.com slash Lineuploggic. Follow me on Twitter, Hey Mr. Kane, and LineuploggicDFS. Hey guys, I'll see you tomorrow.